blessings following the money, the web telescope, all on this edition of The Next Step, number 736, July 14, 2022. Hi, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to a 15th season of The Next Step podcast with Father Vazgen. With these podcasts, Father Vazgen provides a very distinct and consistent voice for Armenian orthodoxy. It is the means for providing people an intelligent and practical answer to life's difficulties based on the solid principles of love, faith, and hope as expressed by our Lord, Jesus Christ. We produce these shows every week for a vast audience, which includes those who are searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, the disenfranchised members of the church community, and, of course, the neophyte. So we invite you to sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to take the next step. Follow the money. Follow the money. (laughs) It's an interesting idea. You follow the money and it tells you who's behind what. And I shared that with you a couple weeks ago when I spoke about about the abortion issue, which is a very heated debate right now here in the United States, ever since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the United States Supreme Court. And we are in a position right now where our court here in the United States is what's called a supermajority in the conservative side. So the just for those of you outside of America, those of you in America, not everybody knows this stuff, but the um, Supreme Court has nine justices serving on it. And of them, uh, up until a couple of years ago, there was it was split down. There was a majority. It was 5-4 majority. But right now, it's 6-3, six, six conservatives against three liberal justices. And so they call this a supermajority. Um, in other words, more than just one extra person. It's usually 50% plus one. Now you've got a, a 6-3 split. And uh, they overturned Roe v. Wade, which for the last 50 years was the was was what was considered the rule on abortions. Basically, it said that uh, people that women had a constitutional right to an abortion, and uh, this was overturned in the sense that no, you don't have a constitutional right, but because it's not in the constitution, it then goes to the states. And so we have an issue right now where some states say yes, some states say no, some say partially, some say because with these conditions, whatever it is, it's the states that are making up. But also we're finding situations where um, it's becoming so difficult that people are crossing lines and it becomes a, a difficulty crossing uh, borders and it becomes a difficult issue when people are uh, dealing with issues of incest, of rape, and how do you deal with abortions when they are not legal. So um, anyway, there's a whole story to that, and I shared this with you, not last week, the week before, and it was interesting because it 
two magazines that I've, I've subscribed to many magazines, a lot of reading material, but two interesting magazines came with cover shots of roughly about the same thing. One was a Catholic journal, which was applauding the decision, and the other one was a Protestant uh, uh, Protestant magazine, and said landmark victory in the fight for life with a, <laughs> with a small little baby giving. Um, you know, two fists up in the air, like, yes, we won. And it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the uh, Catholic and the Protestants, they're, uh, you, what's the saying? Uh, my, my enemy's enemy is my friend. You, you go for that? I don't know. I've, I always think about that. Is, is that proper to say? But uh, in this case, yeah. They're all united on it. And what I shared with you is follow the money. Where is that money going? Like, think about this. And and I'll bring it up one more time. You think about uh, Fox News, which happens to be the conservative branch of the media. Or so it says that it is. And now there's some ultra-conservatives that don't even like Fox News. And this was brought on. You know, here in the United States, the last six years has been incredibly divisive, polarizing. And red and blue and left and right. But uh, there are many who will say that, no, Fox News is does not represent the conservative uh, voice, but here's what's interesting to me. I find it very, very interesting. Fox News, who you know wants to say that they're conservative, and will take a conservative slant and will report um, a conservative view of 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 the world. Interestingly enough, one of the most outright disgusting. I mean, when you want to talk about um, a liberal. You want to talk about immoral, right? This is how the the conservative or the right will will pin uh, liberals. You know, immoral. They are immoral people. Um, when you talk about outright disgusting, filthy, filthy programming, it's on Fox News, and I'm talking about, of course, the Family Guy. I mean, you watch it, and there is absolutely no redeeming value to it. Not to say that, you know, any show has to have any redeeming value, but still, if you are saying you're Fox and you are the conservative side, and then you look at it, and, you know, it, first of all, it's it, the, the family guy's humor that you, know, you probably grew out of that kind of humor back in the eighth grade. I, I would say somewhere around junior high, middle school. You were finished with it. It's just, you know, it's that bathroom humor, you know, where you you flush a toilet and everybody laughs. You have the the soundtrack that makes everybody laugh. You know, it's bathroom humor. You you go and you say, "Oh, I, I went to the bathroom and I left the toilet seat up," <laughs> and everybody starts laughing. Um, family Guy. There's bestiality in it. There's a dog who has sex with human beings. Um, there is incest. There is um, Oedipal complex in there, right? The child with the mother looking lustingly at the mother. And these are all things that are called under the name family guy, which lets you lend, lends you to believe that it's a family show. 
And not only that, <laughs> it's on during prime time. Okay? So it's kind of weird, right? Okay, on one hand, we criticize, we criticize the left for being immoral. They criticize the left for wanting abortions. And yet, look what they're talking about. Look what they're doing. And, and what I did is I suggested to you that all you need to do is really follow the money. Because these things, as you know, are not because of deep convictions, but because they're getting paid for it. There is a commentator called um, Dennis Prager. Very, very popular. He's an AM talk show host, ultra-conservative, ultra-conservative, orthodox Jew, and uh, he's very critical of the Jewish people who have strayed and gone to to the left. And you listen to him, and we go, wow, this man has, you know, first of all, he has some background. He knows what he's talking about. He's, by the way, he's, um, he, I said Orthodox Jew. If you listen to him, he's Pharisaic Jew. Exactly, exactly Pharisaic. And that, you know, self-righteous and um, understanding himself as the chosen one of God. So anyway, you listen to him and you, 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 you listen to what he's talking about and where he's, he's heading, where he's taking the, the people. And you go, wow, this guy is pretty knowledgeable. He knows all this and that. And he's been to, what, 150 countries. He talks many languages. He talks to different people and blah, 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 and that. And you go through all of that. And then all of a sudden, as he's talking, he says, oh, hold on one minute. Because we have to sell a product. And what is that product? He sells pain relievers. Okay? If you're that excited about the issues, why stop and why sell pain relievers? This is just one example. Well, why? Because you have to make a living. That's what. That's the nature of talk radio. Then he starts peddling some other stuff about the, the right and how the right does this and how it's great to be conservative and the right and everything like that. And there is a new broadcast that you can watch and you can watch this new movie, this new video that has come out. Now, think about that. You're trying to sell your ideology, right? How would you sell it? I'd put it on YouTube. I'd share it with other people, as I do, right? No, not in his case. No. You can watch it for a fee. There is streaming fees. And people pay these streaming fees. Well, what does that tell you? It tells you that there is a business there. I, listen to me carefully. I'm not criticizing. You should have a Do it. It's great. But don't disguise what you're doing. What you're doing is a straight business. You're not out there trying to promote your ideology. Because if you were, you'd at least make it available, readily available. Um, Yeah, that's what we do, right? That's what we do. How do we make a living at it? There are people who, who back it and say, we believe in this, right? But I don't sell you products. I don't. I tell you, if you like it, like it. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it, right? 
And so obviously my listenership is nowhere near the listenership that he has in the millions. Uh, I think we're only at about a half a million, right? I'm just kidding. Just relax. I'm just kidding. No, I'm being honest. We're nowhere near the listenership that they have. But that's that's the nature of business. That's the nature of what they call business. And that's how you do it. You build up clientele based on certain issues. And talk radio, if you listen carefully, they have a few buzz issues that are always popular. One of them is uh, capital punishment. The other is abortion. If you want to have a popular show, you talk about these issues and you do a talk radio and people call in because everybody has an opinion this way or that way, right? And if you're really good at it, if you're really good at it, what you do is you promote a dialogue. You discuss it. You discuss different different explanations, different perspectives. But what's happening now is most of these people are basically discussing it to the point that this is what we have. This is what we have to offer. And that's fine if you want to evangelize, which we do, right? But when you disguise that as this free freedom to speak, when I thought it was funny, what was it? I was listening to him, uh, this is a few weeks ago, he was on... Uh, this Prager character, and <laughs> he says, I will debate anybody. I'll go ahead and I'll debate. And the reason why I don't debate so-and-so is because he's a liar. Okay? I agree with him. Yeah, why would you debate a liar? So what did he lie about? He said that I was immoral because I had been married three times. He is an outright liar. I wasn't married three times. I was married only twice. And for that reason, I will not debate him. And I'm listening to this. I'm going, is this guy for real? Is this guy for real? The idea that he said that he was married three times is a mistake. It's not a lie. It's a mistake. I'm sorry. You weren't married three times. You were married twice. Or you, as the, the object of that conversation, you say, I'm sorry, let me correct it. Let me correct your gross factual error, and I will tell you that I was married only twice instead of three times. That is not a liar. That is a mistake. But if you don't want to do something, you can find any excuse you want. And so he's notorious about finding this excuses not to argue, not to what he calls debate. It's actually, I've heard him, it's argument. It's argumentative. It's not debate. It's not founded on any principles or anything. And it reminded me of my grandmother used to tell the story. In my grandmother's village, Sidvi Hisar, there was a a group of stories attributed to Nasreddin Hoja. He was a... a, a, um, Islamic cleric. And uh, his stories are very popular. There's books been written about it, Nasreddin Hoja. And she would tell this story, which I loved. I've, I've thought about it many times and I've quoted it many times. It's about the Hoja, who's this, like I said, a cleric and very smart man who people would come up and ask him questions. And one day his neighbor comes up to him and says, Hoja, can I borrow your rope? 
happens, right? Can I borrow your rope? I don't know what you're going to do with it. I mean, can I borrow your chain? Can I borrow your rake or whatever? Can I borrow your rope? Obviously, you're going to do something with it, right? So Hoja says, I'm sorry, I can't lend you my rope because I'm using it. I've tied up water. And the neighbor, puzzled, asks Hoja, what do you mean you've tied up water? You can't tie up water. And Hoja responds, if I don't want to lend it to you, I can give you any excuse that I want. You got it? If somebody doesn't want to do something, you make up any excuse you want, right? If you don't want to debate somebody, then you say, oh, he's a liar. Yeah, okay, he's a liar. Why? Because he made a mistake in which there was a gross factual error. I wasn't married three times. I was married twice. The point of what he was saying is like, who are you to sit in judgment of other people, who are you to be talking about others when you've had these two failures? That was the point. And you can understand if he made that point and he says, well, you know what, I will debate him, but it's not fair to say that because, yes, I have made mistakes too. And instead of being uh, for happily ever after, I made, I, I've had two marriages. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But to say that the other guy's a liar because instead of two, he said three. And this is something that I just heard and I listened to. Now, why am I saying this? Why am I making a big deal about this? Because this is the way we have now conditioned ourselves to talk with one another so that we avoid the major issues and go right to these picky things. Remember I've shared with you and I've shared this idea, this concept, that the Bible is true, but it is not factual. That, you know, gets me in trouble. But think about what we are saying over here. It's the small facts that people usually pick up on. For instance, and this is, I saw it on Jeopardy!, I saw it on Jeopardy a few months ago and got excited. I want to tell you I got excited. The answer was the place where Noah's Ark landed. And the, the, what, the question in Jeopardy was, where is Mount Ararat or what is Mount Ararat? I got excited. Of course I got excited. It's the Armenian mountain. And it was on national television. There it is on Jeopardy. The final Jeopardy or whatever Jeopardy question it was. It was, where is Mount Ararat? Okay, yeah, that was exciting. Now, what happens is people get hung up on the particulars of this. On the fact, they treat it as fact. Where did Noah's Ark land? On Mount Ararat. Now, this is a fact. While missing the point of it's not about Noah's Ark landing on Ararat, it's about Noah's Ark landing happens to be on Ararat. And because of that landing, a new life began. In other words, God decided that there was an opportunity for newness. And you go to the bigger story of the Noah's Ark and about him wiping up. People say, well, he was the only one without sin because the Bible said that and everything. And you know that's wrong. These are just words that are being thrown around. You know that that's wrong by the fact that there was a child that was born the day before Noah set out to make the ark. And that child was sinless. 
was not an evil person. And not only was there one child, there was hundreds of children that were born a day, two days, two weeks, three weeks before who had no sin. And while people say, well, you know, this is like the original sin coming in. We have made, we have manufactured some kind of a myth so that we can give answers to these things instead of just sitting back for a moment, taking a deep breath and saying, wait a minute, there is the truth that God has his rules and we need to follow them. That's what Noah's Ark is about. Instead, oh, people were sinless, people were sinning. Instead, we talk about the ark, it went to Ararat, it didn't land on the Himalayas, it was in Armenia, and from Armenia, now the territory and everything. It just, it gets very tiring from the point of view of somebody who's trying to, to teach. We're trying to teach the basics of what faith is all about. The faith that there is a loving and caring God who cares about all of us. And again, where is the money? You trace it. You trace the money. What's behind it? What's behind everybody talking like this? And you see, and for in the case of Armenians, I'm going to be critical of ourselves. We talk a good talk about the Ark being on, on Ararat, yet we don't talk about the story itself. We talk about Noah's Ark being on Ararat. And we even send up expeditions to go and find. And we even have stories of people who find it. And Discovery Channel comes out and they make stories about how somebody spotted wood. And the, the, the size of the wood was this long and it was petrified because it was under glaciers for years and years. Instead of just going back to the story. This is a story about Noah's Ark about God and his relationship with people. And that is a truth that does is not connected to the facts. It doesn't need to be connected to the facts. Look what's happening right now. Right now, we are living in such an exciting time. And, and I pray to God that we don't blow ourselves up out of our stupidity because there is just so much to learn and absorb. We sent up a spaceship with a brand new telescope called the Webb Telescope. And it just unfolded just a couple days ago and was positioned. And the first images came to us from deep space and they are awe-inspiring. And you look at them and you realize there's something more than these little points of light. These images are arguments for, for God, for spirituality, for religion, for something more than ourselves, more than what we see, more than what we touch. You look at these little tiny little spirals, little oval things, and you realize these are galaxies, galaxies the size of our Milky Way. I mean, we most everything you see in the nighttime sky is part of the Milky Way, right? These stars that you see. Right beyond that, there are other Milky Ways. There are other these billions and trillions of these stars and galaxies, and you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's got to be something more to this. And this, I think, this this wonder is what Einstein talks about when he connects it to true religiosity. 
about the awe that we that we um, experience. And I think for us, here's an opportunity for us to stop and really look up and uh, really take a moment of pause and understand something greater than what we've been spoon-fed in, in Sunday school. Sunday school is great, but at some point you need to graduate. And that's where we come to the next step. Let's take a um, break right now, absorb some of the things that we have talked about by listening to this song. Time to relax for a few minutes. We'll be back for the second half where we'll talk a little bit more about chasing, chasing the money and chasing the stars too. Here's today's pick, Song of the Day.
Liz Story doing Blessings. That's off of an album called Thanksgiving, one of my favorites. I, I love playing that album. It has a, multiple artists on there that are all just pleasing to the to the nerves, I should say, right? As is Liz Story, just kind of relaxes you, takes you to a good place. We're going to be talking about blessings. We've been talking, continue on blessings, and it's always just beautiful to have some kind of music like that that, that takes you away, that allows you to enjoy those blessings. Liz Story, off of an album called Thanksgiving. Check out our show notes. I'll have a link on it there. Follow the money and you'll figure out where it's coming from, what the argument is, what they want to get across, what is their intention. Follow the money. There was a show about just about 20 years ago, if probably exactly 20 years ago. It was called Deal No Deal. Howie Mandel, the comedian Howie Mandel, who's now of um, America's Got Talent fame, was the host of this show, Deal, No Deal. And it was about, yes, it was about making a deal for the money, but it was really a fascinating, fascinating show. Uh, Every now and then you can pick up uh, reruns. In fact, on the Internet, there was one Internet channel that just plays nonstop, Deal, No Deal. And it's an interesting study on human behavior. It's it's fascinating, the people who came up with the show idea, because it really it, it really holds you uh, in suspense. It has all the elements. You you root for the person and um, you put yourself in his shoes, you know. So here's the deal. It starts off with the contestant or a person who is given a choice of picking one of 26 different briefcases, numbered 1 through 26. And there's a lot of glitter in it. There's a lot of show business, a lot of attractiveness to it. So you see it, and there's nice, beautiful-looking women. There's there's men that come up. Uh, it's just fascinating. They, they, they do a wonderful job of getting you attracted to the to the format of it. But here's the deal. The contestant has an opportunity to pick one of 26 cases, one of which has a million dollars in it. Okay? On a board hanging outside of, in view of the entire audience, this big electronic board, there are 26 different amounts corresponding one per each that is inside each of the the, the the briefcases. So there is one penny up there, there's one dollar, ten dollars, hundred dollars, and so on. And it goes on and on. There's fifty thousand, hundred thousand, then the big numbers come in, two hundred thousand, three hundred, all the way up to a million. So there's twenty-six briefcases, each holds one amount in them, corresponding to something that's on the board. So now this person who is the contestant, he or she, must pick the 
the um, briefcases one by one. And here's the deal. If whatever briefcase he or she picks, whatever amounts in that briefcase, it means it is not in his or her briefcase. So that if he picks a two, um, $20 in one, $25, it means that his briefcase does not have $25 on it. Conversely, if she picks a million dollars, it means her, her briefcase doesn't have a million dollars in it. Okay, so one by one, they eliminate these briefcases. Now, to put the spin in it, and I told you this is really fascinating, psychologically, the way it, it plays, you really understand human nature. They are, the contestant is, made an, is given an offer to end the game early. So let's say he, he or she has selected, say, 10 of the 26. And at that point... There are a few cases left. Some have big amounts, some have little amounts. There are odds, and it's just a mathematical formula. There are odds, and accordingly, he or she will be given an offer to end the game. And, um, you know, there's a lot of drama in it. They make the offer like, oh, it's from the bad producer who doesn't want to lose money. He wants to get up as cheaply as he wants. You know, if he wanted to get up as cheaply as he could, he wouldn't create the show, right? Obviously. So it's all dramatics and it's fun. It's, it's fun. You watch it. But here's the deal. Somebody will get an offer for $100,000 to end the game. Because he or she has a million dollars still at play. And they refuse it. They will keep going. They will say no deal. And then they have to open yet other briefcases. All the while trying to avoid the big numbers. Because again, if you get the big number, it means it is not in your case. So the value of your case is going lower and lower. The more big numbers that are that are selected. Now, here's the part that I want to share with you. I hope you followed it. It's kind of a, I, I hope I explained it properly. But that in a gist is, is, is the rules. Now, here's what gets me. You watch this. And the person is now, he's, he talks about, he's a teacher. Another one is a secretary. Another one is a worker. Do you make this kind of money? No, this is fantastic. So it's been given an offer of 50000 Been given an offer of 100000 Been given an offer of quarter of a million dollars to call off the game. And they don't. And that to me is fascinating. Because, you know, it's that desire to make more. I don't want to call it greed, because it really isn't greed. They, it's, it's an abnormal situation where that person's been put in. But you may call it greed, okay? So imagine this. You've been given an opportunity to call off the game. And for that opportunity to call it off, you will be given a quarter of a million dollars. That's pretty nice, right? But it means that you cannot continue the game and try for the million dollars. And you say, well, the chance of a lifetime, right? Make the million dollars. Well, think about it this way, too. Ten minutes, 15 minutes before this 
event happens. This offer was, was made to this individual. He or she had nothing. Came into the studio with nothing. And now imagine, in 10, 15 minutes, you've been given an offer for a quarter of a million. Sometimes even more. Half a million dollars, right? And you say, no deal. You say, no deal. No, I refuse the half a million dollar offer. In fact, so many people went through this system. I think it was on for about three years. And you could study about it. I, I was so fascinated by it that I, I actually looked into it and learned a little bit more because it really is a study of human nature. What is it that makes us tick? What is it that draws us to these gambling situations where normal people are brought up on stage and they're looking at it and they're getting more money than they could ever dream of? Can you imagine in 10 minutes making a quarter of a million dollars? Let it be half an hour. Let it be an hour. Can you imagine making that kind of money in an hour? And yet... These people will refuse. They will reject these offers. And some of them tragically end up going home with very little. $50, $100, couple thousand dollars. When all along, just a few minutes earlier, they had a chance to have a huge amount of money. But they said no. Why? Well, because there is a chance there is a chance to make more. And we we fool ourselves into believing that these chances are rewards for us. Missing the point that the big rewards have already been doled, uh, dished out. Think about the idea that you're living. Think about the idea that you have loved ones. How about thinking about people who care about you? We forget about all this and we're now dealing with this money. And you say, well, it's fun. At least for a few minutes, you have a chance to be a millionaire, do some good things. And we all come up with nice little ways of explaining it. To me, this is a fascinating study in human nature. Not, not a human nature and greed, but really human nature. What makes somebody go for something like this? I mean, you, you've been getting given the odds, and the odds are incredibly in your favor that you can walk away right now guaranteed with a quarter of a million, and yet you say, no, I'm going to take the chance that I might have a million. Well, that's the gambler's di dilemma, right? Now, do you remember a few weeks ago I shared with you this idea about blessing? And I've shared it many times, but we focused in on it in the next step. What is a blessing? A blessing is... I define it this way. It's luck without the element of chance. Imagine if you took chance and threw it out the door so that every time you rolled the dice, you got a seven. Every time you pulled a lever, you would get the three bars. Every time you put money on a table, you would get a jack and, a, and, a, and an ace. Every time you drew three cards, you'd finish up your full house. Whatever the metaphor you want to use. Gambler metaphors, right? Gambler metaphors. But that's what it is. Blessing is exactly 
the same thing. It's getting this good luck, but without the element of chance. So that every time, yes, you did draw to a full house. Every time that you did throw the dice, you'd hit that seven. Every time you put your money down, you'd be dealt a jack and an ace. Think about it. What would you call that? Luck? No, because there's no element of chance. It's always given to you. And when you start thinking about what your life is, and you start looking at all the wonders that you have in your life, beyond the material wealth, there is so much more. And that's what I think the pictures that coming from the web telescope have to share with us. Because when you start talking about all of these moral issues, such as abortion, which has become a major moral issue right now, right? When you start looking at these, all you need to do is follow the money and you find where these people are coming from. Sadly, very few people are talking about the true concepts of what it means to have sexual relationships that bear children. What does it mean to be influenced by others so that that sexual drive is not curbed and does produce these these families? What about instances where protection has been taken, but a child is conceived? And, and the conception of children, of course, comes into the church dome. Uh, under the church dome, why? Because, well, there is life, and that's what we're about. We're about life. But somehow we have conveniently, conveniently forgotten that all life is precious. So we will spend millions, not only dollars, but also time in discussing about abortion while, you know, the war in Ukraine is continuing. The war in Armenia was unseen, wasn't even discussed. And these are human beings, people who have lived beyond the unborn stage. I mean, you know, you think about it, okay? Abortion is killing the unborn child. These are people that have lived life, and we're not talking about them. And the church stays silent on these kind of issues. And uh, this is where I have difficulty. I have some real serious issues, and I've been boisterous about it. And it gives, it makes it difficult because I want to be upfront and truthful with it, and yet I realize to myself that I'm not being truthful because we're not being truthful. We're not talking about the truth of the matter. We're focusing in on the facts of the matter. To use, to, to continue on the metaphor we talked about earlier. When we talk about blessing, blessing, it is luck. It is luck. But there's no chance involved because God is constantly blessing us. And he's, those blessings are what we need to figure in on this equation. When we talk about deal or no deal, would you make a deal? Would you make a deal right now if you had an opportunity to have a quarter of a million in your bank? Would you make a deal? At what point, this is what's so incredible about this show, at what point will you make a deal and at one point will you back off and say no deal? So we saw the 
unfortunately, what happened is because nobody would ever win at this game the first two seasons. Nobody won. Because you could imagine why, right? If you had at the end of all the 26 boxes and you had two of them left, let's suppose one of them was $50 and the other one was a million dollars. Well, your offer is going to be, they're going to offer you half a million to call off the game. Would you be willing to say, okay, I'll walk away with only 50? No, you would say, at least let me walk away with half a million. And so what they did on the last um, season of the show, they increased the numbers. They increased the number of the prizes. So instead of just $1 million slot, they made $9 million slots. So um, actually, I saw that episode only recently. And the woman, she won. She won at the end having $3 million slots. So like it or not, she was going to win. So it was really beautiful. It was touching because it was a deserving person, so on and so on. It makes great entertainment. It also makes for great understanding of the human psyche and human nature because she was offered a a deal of a whopping $667,000. That's two-thirds of a million dollars, okay? Two-thirds of a million dollars, which she admitted, admittedly said that, you know, in her dream, she'd never be able to have that kind of money. And she said no to it. To be able to say no to it is what I'm talking about. And she went on to win the million dollars because of the odds that she was playing. She played it beautifully and, and she won and it was entertaining. It was good. I'm asking you to step back and think about it in terms of what is it that we want? What drives us to certain things. When just 10 minutes ago, half an hour ago, one hour ago, I had nothing in my pocket and now I'm being given an opportunity to have two-thirds of a million dollars in my pocket for doing nothing but to stand on a stage picking numbers. Why would I say no to that? Why would anybody say no to that? Well, it's the same thing in our lives too, right? Same things when it comes to issue, issues of faith. We've been given so many blessings in our lives, and yet we stand and we say no to them. We stand and we want more. We stand and we play into the human nature that says we can do better instead of acknowledging the beautiful gifts that we have been given, calling them blessings, right? Now, Let's go back to the space telescope, the web telescope. It's out there. It is sending back images that are unbelievable. Bright, brilliant images. We're looking farther and farther into space and therefore farther and farther into time. We're looking back in time, seeing things that were that can be dated from the time of the beginning of the universe. For billions of years ago, you're seeing light traveling to you. And this light that's coming to us is a phenomenal thing. In the sense that when we talk about the millions of dollars that we can have by betting on these small little numbers here and there, look at what's out there that is being given to you as a blessing, that has been given to all of us as humanity 
as a blessing. And think about it. There's no element of chance involved in it. It's completely yours. And it belongs to all of us. And so when I tell you that by looking up at the stars, it's like an opportunity for us to really extend our our understanding of our faith. I think that religion and all of faith began by looking up at the stars. It's the guy who's sitting there and looking up and seeing thousands and thousands of stars and saying, what is this? At, at first they thought we were inside of a sphere, right? And those were like little holes inside of the this black canvas that was over the sphere. And then they said, no, there must be more. And then they started calculating it and they saw that there was patterns. They saw that the the closer astronomical bodies such as the moon had rhythms to it and would come up in a cycle and cycles that dictated different personalities and so on and so on and so on. You just, you, you can go forever. And each one of these discoveries that we are making, as are the discoveries that we're making with the Webb Telescope, are opportunities for us to count those blessings and to say, yes, you know, a few minutes ago I didn't have this and now I've been given this. This is a blessing. Why am I looking for something that is not here? Why am I looking for something in all the wrong places? Why am I not finding it right here, right in the presence of being, of being at that moment and seeing all this beauty around me. Webb is just yet one other example. As the flower in your garden, as the smile on the child's, your child's face. One more chance to think about blessing. A blessing not by any element of chance, but pure luck. Like pure luck. Like hitting it every time. Throwing a seven, getting a blackjack, getting a royal flush every time. Being blessed. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the Next Step with Father Vazgen. Thank you, Susie, for that announcement. Thank you to our listeners. You are, you are the, you are the luck that we have, which we call a blessing. I'm blessed to have people like you following this podcast, supporting this podcast, and praying for this podcast. Listen, 
I want to just give you a couple dates that you need to put down on your calendar, one of which is September 25th. It's the launch date. I'll be celebrating the 40th anniversary of my ordination and we'll be launching the new net that day from Burbank, California at the Western Diocese headquarters. I'll be celebrating the Divine Liturgy at the St. Leon Armenian Cathedral of Pots Revontians. And I hope that you'll be there in person or at the very least on our links, on our feeds. The other date is July 25th. Coming up in a couple weeks, if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area, I've got special tickets to you to come to a very special premiere. All you need to do is drop me a line at feedback at epostle.net. That's apostolic evangelism spelled with an E for an electronic ministry. Feedback at epostle.net. Okay, that does it for our show. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to all the wonderful people who made today happen, in particular our producer Susie, and on behalf of myself, Father Voskin, we look forward to seeing you again next week when we will take the next step. Stand by for disclaimer. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The management and projection crew vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. I forgot to ask you if uh, you, you're seeing the same sky as we are.